الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن يتق الله يجعل له مخرجا ويرزقه من حيث لا يحتسب وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اتق المحارم تكن اعبد الناس او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected ulama ikram brothers and elders the quran sharif and in the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this guidance for us in every line every word every letter Quran Sharif is a book of guidance which Allah Ta'ala revealed for us so that we may be rightly guided and the explanation of the Quran Sharif is in the Hadith Sharif of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and there are many such ahadiths which are regarded as Jawami'ul Kalim very concise ahadith which sum up vast oceans of knowledge in it among these very very concise ahadith is the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam on one occasion when nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked the sahaba posed a question to them that may ya'khudhu anni haula'il kalimatil khamsa who will take these five lessons from me and he will practice upon it he will teach it to somebody else who will practice upon it So the sahaba were very eager to take from Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and Abu Huraira radhiyallahu ta'ala who used to be always right next to him he used to be dedicated to completely taking every letter from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he had no other occupation no other interest his only occupation was to be in the service of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and learning the ahadith of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he was right there and when this was said he said i will do it i am ready to do it so everybody was ready to do it but sometimes it's the person who's there first or the person who grabs at it first and he takes the virtue so any case he said i want i will do it and these were the times when the sahaba really presented themselves and were all eager to be in the front line for for the lessons of deen for the lessons of deen they were in the front line when it came to dunya once rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam wanted to give the ansar some land which had come as spoils of war So Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam wanted to give it to the Ansar. So they said no no no. First our brothers of the Muhajirin we prefer that it be given to them. So Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said they'll get what they are entitled to or what what's meant for them. But this I want to give you. When the dunya came they took the back line. But the dunya was being distributed they were behind put others in the front. when it came to the lessons of deen they were right in the front so this is the 
mindset and the heart, the mold of the heart that brings forth these things. The heart is the seat of it all. What is inside the heart, that gives expression, gets expressed in the person's words, in the person's actions, in a person's reactions. It's all what's in the heart. If in the heart is the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, then the various day-to-day things in life, you'll find that muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala getting expressed in various ways. The muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala is deep down in the heart of a person. He looks at something, and a person who's only engrossed with the muhabbat of dunya, he looks at the same thing. And both of them, while looking at the same thing in the same moment in time, but finish off in completely different directions. The person who saw that same item only with the love of dunya in his heart, he looked at that flower, for example, and then he thought, this is something that really can be marketed, man. How can we really, I mean, work out a plan? I'm sure, this looks so wonderful. If it's just marketed right, and you get the right place to really just get it done in bulk, I don't think anybody has got this idea yet. Might be able to make a real killing out of this. Not that there's anything impermissible. If it's done within the limits of deen, it's not impermissible. But that will be the first thought that will come through his mind. That is what will emanate from his heart and the first thing that will go, then now he will start thinking that which is the right place to try and get this cultivated and how can that be possible and who can I contact and who perhaps has the know-how about all these things, his mind will run in that. Not, it's not that he's impermissible, provided he's within the limits. But that's how his mind will run. First reaction. And the other person saw it, the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala is in his heart, he probably also has some business ideas. But at that first look at that flower, he recognizes the creator of the flower. And he says, Allahu ahsanul khaliqeen, subhanallah, look at this one one little flower, how many colors are in it? What wonderful symmetry in it? And what a wonderful design in it? And how one is the person wants to now, artist wants to draw something, he needs a firm surface. And then after that he needs some, all kinds of equipment to be able to get that done. In the small little, such delicate petals. And in all this delicate, such a wonderful artistry of Allah Ta'ala. He will first recognize the creator of the flower. Where, where did that come from? It came from what was in the heart. What was in the heart? The eyes looked with what was in the heart. Eventually, if that's something that will perhaps maybe become a business, uh, something for his, for a business venture, he might also get into it. But he will first see the hand behind the flower. He will stand at the ocean and the other person will stand at the ocean. But both will see different things. This person will only see water and will see some waves. And the other person will see the vast Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala in it. So this is the main thing that what is the heart molded into. The mold of the heart. And if that mold of the heart has been molded in the love of Allah Ta'ala, in the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, in the love of Akhirat, then the actions of a person, his words, his reactions, all this will speak that. There's akhlaq in the heart, 
And dunya is dunya. Dunya becomes a testing place. It is a testing place. Person will get tested in his home, get tested in his business, get tested on the street, get tested while driving. Somebody else will drive in a different way which would become very irritating to him. He'll get tested with people he interacts with. There's this akhlaq in the heart. That's the seed. Then you'll find the kind of akhlaq that's in the heart coming through the words, the actions, the reactions. And if there's something else in the heart, then he'll come out in all the colorful language. Come out in all different ways. So what's inside the heart, the mold? That's where the effort has to be made. This is where the focus is. This is what we have to develop. So in any case, the Sahaba Ikram were in the front line when it came to taking the lessons of Deen. And everyone wanted to be in the front line. So as Abu Huraira was right there and he was the first one to say, I'll do it. I want this. So Rasulullah gave five lessons. And these five lessons are as mentioned, each one is like an ocean of knowledge. Because these are very concise words, but it sums up the whole deen in it. The first lesson Rasulullah gave him, that ittaqil maharim takun a'badan nas. The word ibadat is familiar to everyone. We all understand the word ibadat. We try to excel in ibadat and we must try to do that. But the principle of ibadat Rasulullah explains. Ittaqil maharim. Refrain from what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, you will be the greatest abid. You will be the greatest worshipper. That is the principle of ibadat, the foundation of ibadat. To speak lies is a sin, so refrain from it. To consume something that's forbidden, that's haram, that's a sin, refrain from it. To indulge in zina and fornication is haram, that's a sin, refrain from it. Likewise, to miss one's salah is a sin, so refrain from that too. Make sure the salah is performed on time. To delay in fulfilling the commands of Allah Ta'ala, zakat has become due, person's hajj has become compulsory upon him, it's a month of Ramadan, now not to fulfill these obligations is a sin. So refrain from it. So this haram, refraining from haram is all encompassing. Whatever has to be done, that too has been included in it, that that must be done. Refraining from it, shirking in it, that's a sin. So don't shirk in it. And indulging in what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, that is a clear sin. So this one line has already encompassed the whole of deen. Ittaqil maharim takun a'badan nas. A person who fulfills his faraid, his five daily salah, his zakat, fasting, if hajj is compulsory, he's performing his hajj. He fulfills his faraid, his wajib, and sunnat mu'akkada. Not that he mustn't do other things. But if he just completed this much and stayed away from sin, stayed away from haram, he is a muttaqi. And all the various virtues of taqwa are now directed to him. And the promises of Allah Ta'ala with the muttaqeen are for him. He may not have been making lengthy nawafil, reciting too many wadaif, 
He's doing this basics, obviously. Then he's already on the pass mark. But that doesn't mean that now he must just stay there. It means now he must progress from there. He must try to increase in his closeness to Allah Ta'ala by adding the sunnat-e-ghair muakkada as well, the nawafil also, the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, tasbihat, but this is the bottom line. This is the baseline. Now sometimes a person, mashallah, is reciting a lot of wadaif, a lot of nawafil, person is making a lot of nafil hajj and umrah, the person is giving a lot of nafil sadaqa, the person is doing other good things, mashallah, all very good. But at the same time, there are sins being indulged in. The salah is sometimes getting missed out. Various other fundamentals of deen, there's compromise in it. That is still far below the line of taqwa. The wazaif, etc. in his place, but this is far, this is still not pass mark. The court of Allah Ta'ala is not pass mark yet. So this is the most essential thing. Ittaqil maharim takun a'abadan nas. Then Rasulullah Sallallahu gave the next lesson. This is itself a whole ocean of knowledge in this. And this is the theme of almost every ibadat. Whether it's the month of Ramadan, we heard about taqwa throughout the month of Ramadan. Come hajj also, it's all about taqwa. And all the ibadat is, it revolves around this taqwa and developing this taqwa. Then the second lesson Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi gave, وَرْضَ بِمَا قَسَمَ اللَّهُ لَكْ تَكُنْ أَغْنَ nas. That be content with what Allah Ta'ala has given you, you will be the wealthiest person. Be content, be happy with what Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with. You will be the wealthiest person. In the hadith Rasulullah Sallallahu says, إِنَّ الْغِنَى غِنَى النَّفْسِ The true wealth is the wealth of the heart. If the person has the wealth of the heart, then he will have the essence of wealth. A person, all the things that he tries to acquire, all the efforts he makes, whatever he possesses, what is the desired outcome from it? There has to be a desired outcome that he is aiming at. person is doing something, then he wants something out of it. So now the person has worked hard and acquired so many things and whatever else he's done, what was the desired outcome? The desired outcome was happiness. That's the bottom line. The desired outcome was happiness, was peace, was tranquility. Like the person got that desired outcome in a very, very basic way also, he got it. And if somebody got it after many things also, he got it too, fine, well and good. But the common factor is both got it. So that's the desired outcome. And if despite what a person has, that outcome didn't come, then something is missing somewhere. Because if a person had to embark on something and up front he knew that after all this effort and whatever else is going to go into it, the end result and the outcome of this is going to be misery. It's going to be heartache. End result of all this is I'm going to be in really difficult situation. You say, why even go through it? Why undertake all this and come to that end result of misery and pain? So his desired outcome is that happiness. Nabi Islam is saying that happiness is in contentment. Contentment doesn't mean that a person will not have and must not have the material things, the halal 
and permissible bounties of Allah Ta'ala. It doesn't mean that in any way. What it means is that a person doesn't make that the object of his life and he doesn't cut corners in the deen of Allah Ta'ala to try and pursue that. His heart and mind is focused towards akhirat, towards getting close to Allah Ta'ala. And then this will carry on, within the limits it will carry on. Within what are the reasonable limits, this will continue. This will apply equally to the person who has half the world and the person who has nothing also. Both are in need of that contentment. And both will be at peace if they have the contentment. And missing this contentment, both will be in unease. Both will be in turmoil. وَرْضَ بِمَا قَسَمَ اللَّهُ لَكْ تَكُنْ أَغْنَ النَّاسِ See, a free person is also a slave without contentment. And a slave is also free with contentment. If a person is a slave, he's, a, he's like a commodity. He's owned by somebody. He's to be bought and sold. But if he has contentment, he'll be living the life of a king in his confines. And he can be the king also, but if he lacks contentment, then he'll be like a prisoner within himself. He'll be a slave to all that, whatever just doesn't finish off. Like a person standing at the shores of the sea, and now he's very thirsty, and he wants to quench his thirst. To quench his thirst, he's drinking the ocean, the water of the sea, the salty water of the ocean. He'll end up drinking the whole ocean. It will only increase his thirst. Because it's salty water. But if he just turns the other way and just gets a small glass of fresh water, that will quench his thirst. So without contentment, then it is a person trying to quench his thirst with that salty water. He'll just only increase it. And then this lack of contentment opens the door to all a host of sins and vices. If a person is content, why would he ever be jealous over anybody else? He's content. So when he's content, he's happy with himself. He's happy with himself, he's happy for others also. There will never ever be an iota of jealousy in the heart of a content person. But if the person lacks contentment, Regardless of what he has, he'll still be looking what the others have. And because somebody has something which he perhaps doesn't have, that will cause him turmoil. He has what maybe billions don't have. And really this is something to think about from time to time and reflect upon this and to immerse ourselves in the shukr of Allah Ta'ala. And if a person really thinks about it, out of this almost 7 billion people in the world, if we really start narrowing it down, we might find we are among the top 5% perhaps. We are better off than maybe 6.5 billion people. If we just take only obviously the wealth of Iman, then that already puts us in the top bracket of that one major whole chunk got left out. Six billion people already got left out. So already in the top one billion, other than six, one sixth, we are already in the top six. And then from the billion be- people who have been blessed with Iman, 
what percentage has been blessed with the tawfiq of some consciousness of deen? To be performing the salah, to be conscious a little bit of making some tilawat sometimes at least, to make some tasbih, to be attending some talks of deen, to be doing some work of deen, to be engaged in some amal. That already will put the person in the top maybe 5% of the whole world. And then if you add to that, that so many people, mashallah, are very conscious of all their obligations to deen, but then in terms of their situation, in terms of day-to-day life, they are in really dire circumstances. Now, together with that tawfiq of deen, to whatever extent Allah has blessed us with, together with that Allah has given us what level of afiyat in dunya also. Just the current weather that person walks out of the house in the morning and feels that biting cold and really our Durban cold is nothing. Those who are up country, they talk about what's cold. Can we imagine the number of people in shacks, the number of people living in places where there is no, they don't have anything to, as a source of warmth and heat for them. What afiyat Allah has kept us in? Together with the most important thing, the ni'mat of iman and amal, etc., and then the afiyat of dunya, perhaps if we start narrowing it down, we'll end up in the top 1% maybe. And we still have so many complaints. We still have so much of complaint against Allah Ta'ala within our hearts sometimes, na'uzubillah. Whereas we have to be immersed in sugar. Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with so much. Dunya after all is a place of challenge. Now this is that qana'at. That a person has no complaint against Allah Ta'ala. If something he has, he's making shukar for it. If something he doesn't have, he's happy with that decree of Allah Ta'ala. If something he has to work for and earn, he'll make effort. He'll continue with his reasonable effort in life. But he will be pleased with whatever the decree of Allah Ta'ala is. His heart will have no complaint against Allah Ta'ala. That's qanaat. And he doesn't make the pursuit of dunya his goal. You'll become the most wealthy person. Be content. The person who is content, then he's not comparing himself to others who apparently seem better off than him. In whichever way. Whether it is physically, whether it is mentally, whether it is materially, whatever it might be. He's comparing himself all the time with those who are lesser than him. Lesser off than him. Yes, only in deen he looks at somebody ahead of him to use that as a inspiration. In deen, he should look at those ahead of us. Because there will always be somebody ahead of us. They will become a source of inspiration for us now. If this person can make this effort, this person can make this mujahada, he can do so much, I too can try. I too should try. And in dunya, we look at those who are lesser off, those who are behind. And we always find the bulk of people behind us. So how much shukr we should be making? When a person has this qanaat, then he will be at peace within himself. Otherwise there will be never any satisfaction. A person will start buying things to bring that satisfaction. But things can't give the satisfaction. Satisfaction is something that Allah Ta'ala puts in the heart. And the person who has this qanaat, Allah Ta'ala will give him that satisfaction in the simplest of things sometimes. Allah Ta'ala will give him that peace and that happiness with or without the things. Whatever Allah Ta'ala wills. With or without it, he'll have the desired outcome. And otherwise, 
there's no end to it. It will just be a cycle. The person will keep chasing something which is elusive. It's not there, it can't be found there. It is where Allah Ta'ala has placed it. Allah Ta'ala has placed it in his obedience. Allah Ta'ala has placed it in that qana'at. And this is an ajib sequence. That the first thing Nabi Salaam mentions, ittaqil maharim, takun a'abadan nas. That stay away from all haram, will become the greatest abid. And the person who is the greatest abid, who is a true abid, then his taqwa will already open the doors of happiness in his heart. His taqwa will already open out the doors of that contentment and that true qana'at. Now he'll be able to have that qana'at. And now he'll be pleased with the decree of Allah Ta'ala. So it starts off on that note. And now with all the other values of iman, he'll possess this as well. وَرْضَ بِمَا قَسَمَ اللَّهُ لَكْ تَكُنْ أَغْنَ النَّاسِ Qana'at. If the qana'at has been acquired, the person will get safe from a lot of haram. Many a times, person, Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with a wife, he's a married person, but that qana'at is missing in the heart. As a result, despite now Allah Ta'ala has given him a halal companion, but now he's still floating around everywhere, still looking at all haram. Not that it is a lesser sin if a person is not married, but in a sense, the intensity of the sin is worse if the person is married. And that is clear from the punishment that is meted out. The person who commits zina and was never married, then the punishment is a flogging. With 80 lashes. And if it was a married person and he committed such a heinous crime, then the punishment of that is being stoned to death. It could have been by just being put to the sword. No, no, no. The sword was available at that time. And there were certain punishments which was by the sword. This wasn't by the sword. Because it is such a heinous thing that the intensity of the crime had to be made apparent. And Allah Ta'ala says, don't do it somewhere quietly in the back. Entire group of believers must witness this happening. It must become an ibrad. It must become a lesson. But now what led to that? The lack of qanaat. That now he's always looking elsewhere. So now that one thing leads to another. And that one thing leads to another and then it gets to the worst level. <coughs> so this is not just something, often we talk about contentment, we hear about contentment, our mind just goes maybe contentment in terms of just wealth. No, it's a very comprehensive quality of iman. A person who has qanaat and contentment, then this will save him from so many sins. Like we spoke about hasad, the aspect of now the person committing all this kind of haram, so many other things. The person who's got that contentment, he won't allow his dunya occupations to come in the way of deen. Because whatever Allah Ta'ala has decreed for him, he's happy about it. Now the command of Allah Ta'ala is to leave everything and proceed. The call of the Muslim has come. He's happy for that. He's fine. <coughs> that contentment makes him move. He's not, what is going to come now will come without barakat. I don't want it. So this was the second lesson Rasulullah gave. وَرَضَ بِمَا قَسَمَ اللَّهُ لَكْ تَكُنْ أَغْنَ النَّاسِ Then the third lesson Nabi Salaam gave, 
وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَىٰ جَارِكْ تَكُنْ مُؤْمِنًا Be good to your neighbor. You will be a true believer. Literally translated, the word of the Hadith Sharif is تَكُنْ مُؤْمِنًا You will be a believer. In other words, if this is missing, then there's a big problem. Iman is in real danger. وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَىٰ جَارِكْ Now the neighbor is a neighbor. He may be somebody related to a person. He may be somebody totally unrelated. He might be a mu'min. He may not be a mu'min. It might be somebody who is good to us. It might be the opposite sometimes. But the command directed to us is, وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَىٰ جَارِكِ Be good to your neighbor. Be good to your neighbor, then you will become a mu'min. Much of deen is linked to relationships. Great part of our deen is tied up with relationships. One is the, obviously the most important relationship is the relationship with Allah Ta'ala. That is the taqwa, that is where it started off from. That's the first relationship. But then the other relationship is Allah Ta'ala's relationship, that's obviously the most important thing, and the rest is hukukul ibad. Allah Ta'ala's, the relationship with Allah Ta'ala, this is what taqwa is all about. Imam Qurtubi rahmatullah he explains taqwa in this way. He says, what is taqwa? There's so many different ways taqwa is explained. He says, taqwa is developing this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. But then, apart from those obligations that Allah Ta'ala has placed in terms of ibadat, salah, fasting, zakat, hajj, etc. The rest is all hukukul ibad. Akhlaq, it's all related to hukukul, it's all related to the servants of Allah Ta'ala. Mu'amalat and dealings with the people. Mu'asharat, social life with people. So all this, these three major branches of deen is all relationships. Whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a social relationship, it's a family tie, it's some relationship between employer-employee, it's a relationship between a person and the servant and domestic. It's all relationships. And it's a very, very big part of Deen. And this is where, unfortunately, we often slip and slip badly. And as a result of slipping in this part of Deen, we destroy that relationship that we had with Allah Ta'ala also. Because in the day of Qiyamat, Allah Ta'ala says that if this person has destroyed his relationship with people, then I also have no relationship with him. Till he saw, it gets cleaned out. In other words, all his salah, all his zakat, all his fast, everything, give it to others now. All his nawafil, all his tasbihat, all his tilawat, all his hajj, his umrah, whatever. All these people he wrong, give it to them. Nabi Islam describes such a person as a muflis. muflis. Do you know who is a bankrupt person? And then Nabi Islam says, the bankrupt person who comes on the day of Qiyamah, lot of amal, lot of good deeds, but he destroyed the relationships with people. Harm somebody, swore at somebody, usurped somebody's wealth, and cheated somebody in some way, and all these people come and now will claim. So all his amal will be dished out. You take so much, you take so much, you take so much, everybody gone. So now what happened, the relationship with Allah Ta'ala, all this was supposed to be there as the means of building the relationship with Allah Ta'ala. It's all zero now. Ground zero, it's gone underground. 
So the relationship with people was compromised. It deprived the person with the relationship with Allah Ta'ala. So Nabi Salaam is saying, وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَىٰ جَارِكَ تَكُنْ مُؤْمِنًا No one hadith Nabi Salaam says, Jibreel Salaatu Wasalam came. And he emphasized upon me the rights of the neighbor to such an extent that I thought any time now this too will come. It didn't come, but I thought any time now this too will come that a person's neighbor will inherit in his estate if he passes away. In other words, this is such an important relationship. Like a person's own children, his wife, his parents will inherit, the neighbor will inherit also as an automatic heir. The rights of the neighbor. So now this is one lesson, but in this lesson is a whole, there are numerous things in it. One sahabi, there was a Jew staying above his house. Perhaps it was Abdullah bin Amr ibn Asadiyallahu another sahabi, somebody. There was a Jew staying on the upper floor. And he was staying on the lower floor. It was his last, it was obvious now that he's a mehman now, he was in his last illness and he realized that I'm not going to be around for long. So he called for that Jewish neighbor who was living above him and he said to him, look, I don't think I'm going to be living for long now. I'm so ill, etc. and it seems like my life is ebbing away. So this is the only reason now I'm telling you this. You see what's going on here, he's showing him this person's, whatever was his toilet. Now, those days, however it was, so that was now all leaking through and falling into his house. But he was just, had something that to collect it and he was disposing of it. And he didn't tell him for all these years. He said, but now I pass away, others might not deal with you in the same manner. They might take offense. So I didn't tell anybody about it, I didn't tell you also about it, but today now I have to tell you that you rather sort it out, otherwise it might create some problem. So how long is he you know, it's carrying on for years? Now, that is of a very high level of things that one is the being good to the neighbor, the other is tolerating the neighbor's unkind manner and way. So, let alone tolerating the next person's any mistake from him, at least we have to fulfill what is our responsibility and duty. This was the third lesson Rasulullah gave. The fourth lesson that he gave to him that Love for people, love for others, what you love for yourself. You'll be a Muslim. Love for others, what you love for yourself. When you are going to be thinking about something for the next person, put yourself in his shoes. Sometimes now we are harboring malice for the next person, looking down at the next person, mocking somebody, or cutting corners and hurting somebody in some way, causing harm to someone, cheating somebody. Would we have liked that had we been on the other end? If we were on the receiving end of the same treatment, we wouldn't have liked it. Nabi Islam says, if you want to be a Muslim, be called a Muslim, be really deserving of this title of Muslim, then you love for others what you love for yourself. What we love for ourselves, we love this, that people should respect us, people should not be, they, nobody should look down upon us, nobody should mock us, 
if we make a mistake, they must not just run us down. They must guide us. If we make a mistake, they must overlook it. And all these kind of things we love for ourselves. If we are going to be getting into some venture, for example, we love that it must prosper. There mustn't be any loss in it. If a person is now going ahead in life in some, he's not going to get married or something, he's wishing everything works out good for him. So now wish the same for your fellow Muslim. Wish the same for him. Allah Ta'ala gives him all the best. Allah Ta'ala makes his business prosper also. Allah Ta'ala gives him peace in his life. Allah Ta'ala gives him barakat in his rizq. And if he has made a mistake, help him. If something has gone wrong, assist him. Guide him. Refrain from running him down, from looking down upon him. Nabi Salaam is saying, do this, yakun musliman. You'll be a Muslim. Really all these things, if a person just absorbs and imbibes these few lessons, his relationship with Allah Ta'ala is already sorted out, his relationship with the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala is sorted out. There's nothing else left. This is the whole of deen. This is the whole of deen. Hukukullah and hukukul ibad. There's nothing else. The person brought these few lessons, but these few lessons encompass everything. And then the last lesson Rasulullah gave, وَلَا تُكْثِرِ الضِّحْكِ فَإِنَّ كَثْرَةَ الضِّحْكِ تُمِيتُ الْقَلْبِ Don't laugh excessively. In this hadith, it's not forbidden that look, don't laugh. No. Even Rasulullah would sometimes engage with the Sahaba in some light-heartedness. He would smile. They would be saying things. Sometimes they would reminisce about the past, about talk about the go down memory lane, about the days of Jahiliyyat. In a light-hearted manner, there was Ibrat also in it. Now some Sahabi, they were sitting and just talking, and one Sahabi started saying, that I don't think anybody's idol helped him like how my idol helped me. Astaghfirullah, idol, how can the idol help anybody? He says, yes, nobody's idol helped him like how my idol helped me. Then he says that the idol was made out of whatever, dough or flour or something. And he said, I took it along on my journey. I felt hungry. I ate it up. <laughs> so, I made that. so the idol helped me in that sense. Obviously, idol can't help anybody. So I was making a joke of it. He was mocking it. But this in a light-hearted manner. Now this was a light-heartedness. The other sahaba were present. They laughed. Rasulullah was sitting. He also became part of it. He smiled. He smiled broadly. Now, this light-heartedness, there's a need for it to a point. To a point... There's a need for it also. That it keeps up, but obviously within the limits of deen. The <coughs> books of hadith, you'll find a chapter on the light-heartedness of Rasulullah But, this is the salt in the food. Now the person is whole day, this is now, he only wants to eat salt. He'll become a very salty person, he'll make everything sour around him though. So, the salt in the food is very important. Without that, that food is tasteless. Now the whole day the person just wants to keep laughing about things. Nabi Islam says, فَإِنَّ كَثْرَةَ الضِّحْكَ تُمِيتُ الْقَلْبِ this Excessive laughter kills the heart. Then that heart is no more now soft enough to be able to, to be conscious of Allah Ta'ala. The zikr of Allah Ta'ala doesn't melt that heart now. The tilawat of the Quran Sharif is feeling less. The person's salah is just a mechanical salah. The heart has died. So that heart has to stay alive, that salt is necessary in the food, but not to the extent that it sows the whole food. So these are five lessons Nabi Islam started on this note. Who will take it and practice on it 
and teach it to somebody else who might practice. So the Sahaba took it, they passed it on to us, they practiced on it, they lived it. These are lessons we too should take wholeheartedly, take into our lives, teach it to our families, and pass it on to others as well. This is the guarantee of that peace and happiness in dunya also. And this is the ticket to Jannat as well. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil It's reported in the Hadith Sharif that the person who recites La ilaha illallah hundred times daily, Allah ta'ala will cause his face to shine like the 14th moon on the day of Qiyamah. What this means is that inshallah with the barakat of this daily recitation, Allah ta'ala will grant him the tawfiq of righteous actions and give him the tawfiq of staying away from sin. And this will become the means of this great honor on the day of Qiyamah. We should try, inshallah, daily to recite this kalima, la ilaha illallah, a hundred times daily in our homes, in our space. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq, inshallah. Recite the rushari. La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabih. وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا ربي صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله La ilaha illallah 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 la ilaha
دل میں راہ ہو جا ایک میدان ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو غیر سے بالکل ہی اٹھ جائے نظر تو ہی تو آئے نظر دیکھو جدر اور میرے تن میں بجائے آب و گل درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل نفس و شیطان دونوں نے مل کر ہائی کیا ہے مجھ کو تباہ اے میرے مولا میری مدد کر چاہتا ہوں میں تیری پناہ مجھ سا خلق میں کوئی نہیں گو بد کردار ناماسیاں تو بھی مگر غفار ہے یا رب بخش دے میرے سارے گناہ اب تو رہے بس تادم آخر ورد زبائے میرے انہ لا الہ الا اللہ 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 محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہ اللہ جل جلاله عم نوانه اللہ 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 
Allah. Grant us truth, taqwa, ya Allah. Allah grant us all the Mubarak lessons of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ilahul alamin, enable us to live these Mubarak lessons, ya Allah. Enable us to, ya Allah, teach it to others, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, enable us to fulfill all your rights, ya Allah. Enable us to fulfill the rights of your servants, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Allah, you forgive us, ya Allah. Forgive our families, ya Allah. Forgive our friends and relatives, ya Allah. Forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah, show your maghfirat of the ummah, ya Allah. Show your rahmat of the ummah, ya Allah. Allah, remove the pain and hardship of the ummah, ya Allah. Remove the oppression from the ummah, ya Allah. Allah, throughout the world, wherever the ummah is in suffering and pain, ya Allah. Allah, there are floods, ya Allah. There are oppressions, ya Allah. There are all kinds of disasters, ya Allah. Allah, there are sicknesses, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, there are so many difficulties and hardships, ya Allah. Allah, out of your grace, you ease it, ya Allah. Out of your grace and mercy, remove the difficulties and hardships, ya Allah. Grant afiyat to one and all, ya Allah. Grant afiyat to one and all, ya Allah. Grant afiyat in deen, ya Allah. Grant afiyat in dunya, ya Allah. Allah, save us from trials and tests, ya Allah. Allah, don't put us to trial and test, ya Allah. Allah, we are too weak, ya Allah. We are not capable of being tested, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, grant us afiyat, ya Allah. Grant us afiyat in every respect, ya Allah. Allah, make us your obedient servants, ya Allah. Allah, save us from all those amal that bring down azab, ya Allah. Allah, guide us and the entire ummah to those amal that bring down your rahmat, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, enable us to perform our five times salah with jama'ah, ya Allah. Grant us khushu and khudu in our salah, ya Allah. Grant us such a salah with which you are pleased with, ya Allah. Enable us to perform all our salahs with jama'ah, ya Allah. With takbir ula, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Enable us to recite the Quran Sharif daily, ya Allah. Enable us to make your zikr daily, ya Allah. Enable us to talk to you in dua daily, ya Allah. Enable us, ya Allah, to serve deen, ya Allah. Accept us and our progeny till qiyamah for the service of deen, ya Allah. With ikhlas and afiyat, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Grant us halal and tayyib rizq, ya Allah. Allah, save us from every drop and grain of haram, ya Allah. Allah, grant barakat in our rizq, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. All those are in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it with afiyat, ya Allah. Those are in financial problems, remove it with afiyat, ya Allah. Those are in debts, ya Allah. Make the easy payments of their debts possible, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's risk, ya Allah. Allah, those who are without jobs, give them halal jobs, ya Allah. Those who are, ya Allah, of marriageable age and don't have marriage partners, ya Allah. Allah, you make the arrangements for their nikahs to take place with afiyat, ya Allah. With suitable spouses, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. All the pious aspirations people have, ya Allah. Allah, you fulfill it, ya Allah. Allah, those who are childless, give them naked and pious children, Ya Allah. Allah, those children who have become disobedient, make them obedient to their parents, Ya Allah. Make the children the coolness of the eyes of their parents, Ya Allah. Make the parents compassionate and kind to the children, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, unite the hearts of spouses, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of parents and children, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of brothers and sisters, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of family members, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of the Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah. All those who have passed away, make their complete Maghfirat, ya Allah. Grant them the highest stages in the Akhirat, ya Allah. Allah, the time of all, then take us with La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Allah, take us on iman e kamil, ya Allah. Take us on Tawbat and Nasuh, ya Allah. Allah, take us at a time you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, ya Allah. Allah, save us from, ya Allah, bad death, ya Allah. Save us from death in a condition of sin, ya Allah. Save us from death in a place of sin, ya Allah. Save us from ever going to places of sin, ya Allah. Allah, Allah, at that critical time you protect 
us, Ya Allah. You save God our Iman, Ya Allah. You take us with Iman, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you make our covers gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafaat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who asked us to make dua for them, Ya Allah. All those who are desirous, we should make dua for them, Ya Allah. All those who have raised their hands to this dua, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make us all yours, Ya Allah. You become ours, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Enable us to follow in the Mubarak footsteps of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, put the love of deen in our hearts, Ya Allah. Put the love of the amal of deen in our hearts, Ya Allah. Put the love of the efforts of deen in our hearts, Ya Allah. Accept us for the khidmat of deen with ikhlas and afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all the things we should have been asking for, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, without asking, bless us, Ya Allah. Whatever we've asked for, grant us that as well, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa na'udhu bika min sharri musta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم ربنا تقبل منا تقبل منا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه المعين الحمد لله